Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, it's Candice and Kayla and we are directionally challenged. Yep, we thought we would have everything figured out by the time we're in our 30s. But surprise, we don't. No, we don't. But that's okay. It is okay. It's totally okay. Candice, I have a really fun, I'm really excited about today's episode and I have a great question for you. Do you remember when we were in middle school and the internet was invented? Or it at least became available to the public and I think we mainly used it for AIM or Instant Messenger at that point. Yes, I used it for AIM. But I remember the first time like seeing the internet, like when my mom signed on on the computer and this was like AOL days, like very start of it where you had to like have a CD-ROM that uploaded AOL onto your computer. And then it was like the sounds were like, like, sorry for our listeners, but that's what it was. No, but that's very accurate. (laughs) That's exactly what it sounded. Thank you. I've been practicing for this episode. (laughs) That's exactly what it sounded like. And it's so true. Wait, I remember, I think we've talked about this before, uh, but what was your aim mess? What was your name? Your instant messenger name? Gosh, I just can never shake this. Um, So (laughs) here's the deal. My my AIM, AOL instant messenger for the youngins listening. um, It was basically like an early version of texting. You know, that's what it was. If you watch Pen15, they do a great job for any young listeners to, to so you can visually understand what the Internet and AIM was for when we were young. But my name was Frat Cat. And so yes, good. I understand that it sounds like fraternity kitty cat. Yeah, <laughs> kitty. 
lady parts. Um, yeah, it sounds like a very inappropriate name for a child to have. It sounds like I would be cruising very inappropriate, you know, chat rooms. But my mom had a, I mean, it's rooted in, in, in goodness. My mom had a, she had a camp for underprivileged kids. It was called FRAT, which stood for Friends Recreating All Together. And in, so then the little logo was a hip, cool cat. You know, he had like, you know, cool trousers on, you know, at his hands being like, hey, guys, ready to hang at this cool, this cool club in camp. And so when when the Internet was invented and she asked if I would like a screen name, the options were frat friends, frat pack or frat cat. And I chose frat cat and I kept it all the way until I was in my early 20s when I booked Vampire Diaries and and it was an actual I forget it might have been Julie. I forget who finally said like, hey, What's up with that very disturbing email that you have that we're sending all these official? Because it was also your email address. It was my professional email address. Frat cat. Yeah. So it just I mean, it sounds like fraternity pussy. Let's just cut right to the chase. That's what it sounds like. It's hilarious. But, you know, it's so rooted in innocence. And that's what makes the story so great. But do you remember how much the Internet changed our lives at that time? I mean, we went from not really being able to communicate. We had to call our friends at their parents' house and talk to the parents first and then have a conversation with our friends or we'd see them at school. That was it. And suddenly we were able to sit and have these messages with them and have this personal exchange. And I feel like we might be on the precipice of something that's going to change our world just as much as the internet. And I don't know if that's true or not. I know nothing about the metaverse. I wish I knew so much more about it. Hopefully we can get some insight today because if we are on the precipice of something that's as life-changing as the internet, we need to know about it. We do. I'm reluctant. I really, ugh, I, I am a sour frat cat when it comes to <laughs> having to to expand, you know, new technology, just bring in new technology to my life. I don't like it. I don't like to, every time that there's an update on my phone. I don't like it. I, now there's a new Apple TV thing. I don't like it. There's too many buttons. I finally got used to the other buttons. Now there's new buttons. And so the fact that there's now not only like a universe, but a metaverse, I don't even know what metaverse is. I'm very I'm, I'm glad that we're talking about this today. I also part of me wants to reject it because I wish we still had CDs. I, I miss mixed CDs. I'm, I'm a record collector. Like I'm very... Oh, like, I don't do TikTok. I only got Twitter again because there's a weather app person on it. And that's how I get my weather information for my local weather. Like, I just I don't like new things. You know, the metaverse sounds scary. It, it does. Sounds, I, and and so I'm slightly afraid of this episode today. I agree. But that's why I think we need to have it. Addie Robertson is a senior reporter for The Verge. She's been covering technology policy, video games, virtual and augmented reality, biohacking, tech history, and all other topics for The Verge since 2011. I came across an article she wrote on the metaverse titled, What is the Metaverse and Why Should We Care About It? And after reading it, I knew we had to reach out to her and have her on because, Candace, you and I both need help in this area. So without further ado, here is our conversation with Addie Robertson. Well, Addie, thank you so much for joining us today. I know nothing about metaverse or what it is. I have a few questions that I'm just going to throw out there to see if I'm even close. When I started thinking about like, what is the metaverse? What I will start with, is this a new Real Housewives franchise that I don't know about yet? Is that what metaverse is? Or is metaverse the drug that the kids on Euphoria are all taking? Because that seems probable. Or is this the title of Ye's new album? metaverse? Or do we need a DeLorean to experience the metaverse? Is this why Pete Davidson is so hot right now because of the metaverse? Like, what the fuck is the metaverse? Well, let's just start there. So the answer to all those things should be yes. But the main answer is that the metaverse doesn't really exist exactly. So the metaverse is kind of this idea for what's the thing that comes after the internet. There was a desktop internet. There was where everybody got on through their computers. There was a mobile internet where we now have websites, but we also have apps that are very location-based and they're in our pockets all the time and they completely change the way we interact with tech. And then you have something that comes after that. And usually people think it involves virtual reality or augmented reality, which is sort of like you jump into these fully formed virtual worlds or you see these overlays of things into the real world. And you combine that with the internet as we know it now, and then you have something that people think is going to be called the metaverse. 
I mean, it's it reminds me of that movie Ready Player One, where there's this virtual world, right, named Oasis, and it's portrayed almost as this utopian source of escape escapism in in a what we know of as a horrible future. And the truth is, with the fact that we're a second year into a pandemic, it feels eerily close. It's terrifying. The pandemic is like the big elephant in the room whenever anybody says the metaverse is coming is how much is this just the fact that nobody's been able to go outside for two years? Like, are we all just going completely insane over virtual shirts because we can't go touch grass? Um, But it's also a thing that's been happening for a long time. Facebook, which is now meta, they bought Oculus back in like 2014. And we're like, in the future, you're going to go to concerts and those concerts are going to be in virtual worlds. And that is the thing that they weren't really calling the metaverse as much at that point. But that's the basic idea of what they want now is what if you're the things you think of as your physical life? What if those things happened on the Internet? So the one time I went to Coachella was the year that Tupac performed the the hologram of Tupac would that be considered which which I found very unsettling like that was I, I I found that to be very uncomfortable and you know it just it was not I, I didn't like it you know it's just it's just felt very spooky also the way that he passed was so tragic and and then now he his hologram is now performing for tens of thousands of people I mean but with this hologram performance be considered part of the meta world? Or is that just a completely different thing? Or are you saying meta is where you would essentially, you know, put on Oculus or those virtual uh, yeah, reality glasses, Ocu- correct? technically don't call it Oculus anymore. But yes, the uh, Quest uh, goggles is what meta makes. Gotcha. So basically, you would buy a ticket, you'd put on your goggles, and then you'd be able to virtually walk around this, you know, digital arena and see a digital version of your artist. That you're if you know Fortnite and Roblox, they host concerts there. So like Lil Nas X and uh, Marshmallow and some other, I think Travis Scott have all held concerts inside virtual worlds where basically the artist goes in there and they are performing as an avatar. And then a bunch of like Fortnite kids come in and they're all wearing their John Wick skins and dressed in like their Agent Peely banana costumes. And they go in and they show up at the concert instead of shooting each other. That's a thing that lots of people think of as being the prototypical metaverse right now. And so is that as rewarding as going to a concert in person? And can we even compare that the two? And will we ever know the difference between the two? Because it does seem like we've and we've had conversations like this on our podcast before about how detrimental screen time can be. You know, it's sometimes it's really beneficial, but there is a fact that it can harm you using it too much. Now we're talking about people essentially living within this virtual world. And do we know if it's more beneficial, less beneficial, more rewarding is, is I don't there's so many questions. The thing that's weird is that people have kind of already been doing this for decades, right? Like all of the things that people talk about doing in the metaverse now, if you just substitute video game for metaverse, people have been doing it for like 20 years. Like people have been getting married in massively multiplayer games and like like World of Warcraft for decades. They've been making friends. They've been going and like living huge second like digital lives in video games. People have been hosting concerts and businesses and things like Second Life. Like we all this is kind of, it's kind of a known quantity. Like we kind of understand how this works. So it's a question of, are we going to stop doing these things to some extent in the physical world, which we suddenly had to because of the pandemic, which it's going to be an open question. Like once you can have concerts and that's completely safe, are people going to care about this as much? And second, is it replacing it? Or is it just that there's suddenly this new way to listen to music the way that you might still go to a concert, but you're still going to like listen to something on your phone on the train? Well, it's interesting that you use the word safe because I have a hard time even going to movie theaters these days on an opening night because it, the world has not felt safe for quite some time right now. And even, I mean, it's interesting you bringing up some of the artists that you mentioned who have had these kind of metaverse concerts, one in which who, who uh, you know, obviously there was the Travis Scott concert tragedy not too long ago, but that there is an element then of, of, the idea of safety within being able to kind of put these goggles on and and this this second life experience when we have, you know, crowd control issues, gun control issues in this country. And also it is, I mean, obviously, Kayla, not to speak for you, but we can both agree that neither of us play video games. 
neither of us have, you know, are are very up to date on like, you know, apps in which no, you're talking to No, we text back and forth about how people. to download a PDF so many times. It's it's really tragic. That's why we're so happy you're here, Addy. <laughs> PDFs are hard. PDFs are like the hardest <laughs> Thank thing. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but we're, we're also two able-bodied women who, you know, feel that we have a pretty good handle on social skills and being out in the world. And so... You know, th- this is just a different experience, you know, and, we, and we've all, we're also in our 30s experiencing the pandemic as opposed to a teenager in your early 20s when you're kind of just figuring everything out. So I understand the appeal for a lot of people on why they've kind of drawn to this metaverse. And also, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you might know this, you might not, um, but I went to E3 once and isn't it that video games, there, there's more money in vid- video games than music, film, TV, and porn all put together, right? I can't literally speak for those numbers, but that wouldn't be hard to believe. Video games are just a huge <laughs> industry. They encompass just massive numbers yeah. of things. Yes, it is, it is a huge industry and that neither of us are really a part of. So w- what, uh, y- as far as, you know, obviously there are elements of then why I understand someone would either emotionally or physically feel safe kind of exploring uh, the world of the metaverse. And also to your to what we're saying that everyone's been cooped up for the last two years for a pandemic. But there are elements that I think sound really scary, which is one, just lack of any really social connection, which I'm sure you'll be able to argue that. But then two, uh, we've you know had a podcast episode about sexual predators that find themselves very skilled at entering these games and these worlds that are really meant uh, and set up for for younger kids or teenagers and using that to their advantage. So I know we, you know, maybe going through some of the positives and the negatives of what the metaverse is. I know that's yeah, a so, big ask, And I'm just going to, I feel like I have to preface just saying I'm going to come up with a sort of arbitrary definition of the metaverse, because if you want to just spin things out, you can suddenly be like blockchain and NFTs. NFTs are the metaverse. Digital receipts are the metaverse. So let's, when I'm talking about stuff from this point, through like the next question, I'm talking about the idea that there's this virtual world where you do things that you would normally think of as being offline activities and you're doing them in this kind of simulated space that feels kind of physical, even though it's actually the equivalent of virtual creation. I think that there's, first of all, you can just come up with a lot of weird, interesting things to do in these places like Roblox, which is the this incredibly popular kids virtual world, like gaming platform has a bunch of interesting like obstacle course games and places where you can just go and find like build spaces to hang out with your friends. Kids are developing games in it. I think that it's a place that it's just it's a different kind of activity that people can go and hang out with other people in. And it's creative. A lot of times you can build things in it. It's a form of art for a lot of people to make their own game levels. Um, It's a thing that we definitely people have done for years and years. I think that it's not necessarily any more inherently harmful than any other kind of social activity. Like if you go and join a book club, if you go and you do intramural sports, like all of these things, there are ways that they can be unhealthy. There are ways that you can use them to fill gaps in your life in bad ways, but they can also be really positive and you can also make friends that way and you can come up with new ways to express yourself. I think the danger is, like you said, though, totally real. Like harassment in particular is something that people who are making current generation social platforms slept on for a really long time. They failed to address it, became a really huge issue. And companies like Meta are currently trying to make that not happen with the metaverse. But there's it's still an issue that in virtual worlds, something like being groped feels really invasive and violating in a way that just somebody typing a word on a screen might not necessarily. And there are tools that you can come up with to help stop that. But a lot of it depends on just community management and on giving people control of their space. And that's not necessarily something that every world's going to do. And I think that also kind of conversely surveillance and tracking are a really big issue in this this world because the idea is supposed to be oh okay well instead of you know going to brunch you're going to virtual brunch if you go to brunch there's not something that's recording every word you say and that's recording everything you're doing and tracking it and possibly selling ads against it depending on the world and i think that equating digital and physical space kind of erases the fact that this stuff ends up getting 
recorded and surveilled in a way that people might not even really understand is happening. And that's potentially a really huge threat as well. Right. There's a lack of trust in the company as a whole, because we've seen time and again how they've said they're trying to to make sure this doesn't happen. But of course, I mean, we're talking about infinitely surveying. You can't there's no possible way you can constantly track every single person that's trying to cause harm on these platforms. Right. So there is a level I'm just thinking of this through the lens as a parent and trying to figure out, you know, this will be something that will be a topic of conversation at some point with our children. And how safe is it? At what point do we allow them to do this? It's a whole can of worms. Yeah. Well, yeah, because on one hand, you have to worry about who your kid is seeing. And there's it's very, very difficult for one company to try to give you perfect tools to police like people who might do harm to your kid. But on the other hand, if your kid does something in the metaverse, like if they say something, is that going to get recorded and spread like them doing something embarrassing that if they were doing it offline, like they would at least have some level of control over, Okay, please don't take a picture of that. Please don't take a video of that. And that becomes really difficult in digital space. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. It's time to get more in 2024. I know for me, one of my goals is to feel really strong this year. And honestly, so far, so good. Because that's where 310 Nutrition comes in. It's helping me and our listeners in the new year with protein and super rich food products with so many options and flavors. Right now I have the chocolate bliss and caramel sundae and they are both so (laughs) delicious. 
I have to hide them from my husband so that he doesn't steal them too. They're a triplex protein blend, plant-based proteins that include pea, brown rice, and pumpkin that leave me feeling full. 310 Nutrition also has a hydrate electrolyte drink mix. My favorite is the peach mango flavor. So not only am I hydrating and drinking water, I have an electrolyte blend, vitamin blend, and it's sugar-free. With one stick of hydrate mix into 16 ounces of water, and it can provide the same amount of hydration equal to drinking two to three bottles of water. Thank you. This way I can keep my resolution, keep feeling strong, have greater focus, feel refreshed, and maintain my hydration without having to drink as much. One of my favorite refreshing water enhancers they have is the lemonade flavor. It gives me energy. This one's also sugar-free. It's used with real lemons and it's pH balanced. And this also offers the same hydration as two to three bottles of water. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code CHALLENGED and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 for your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products that you know you'll use and will help you keep your resolution. So go to 310nutrition.com and use the code CHALLENGED right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310-nutrition.com and use code CHALLENGED. It's all the good stuff your body needs in flavors you crave. So be healthier effortlessly. back is there a specific platform that you think is a positive experience for i know you mentioned roblox for for younger kids i've had friends of mine who have young kids who have said that you know that was such an incredible tool for their children to find a sense of community and creativity especially during the early months of the pandemic is there any apps or platforms that you really love for women specifically in their 20s I mean, or 30s metaverse platforms are, are kind of problematic because a lot of them barely exist like meta's metaverse platform open it's barely open at this point so it's hard to recommend something like that i think that it starts getting complicated where if you think of the metaverse as just being a place where you can meet up with people it's kind of just a bunch of web platforms that have some social component like i spend a bunch of time on ravelry the knitting platform and it's not like what you would think of as a metaverse world it's like this very very web 2.0 like old school interface but it's a really fantastic place to go and see people who are sharing cool creative stuff that they're doing now are you really knitting or is it digital knitting no it's actually it's really knitting it it would be much cheaper if it were digital i spent way too much (laughs) money on yarn okay okay (laughs) Speaking of money, I know you mentioned NFTs. And so I kind of want to get into the financial like what the fact that anytime I see a new news article of like even Lindsay Lohan's getting in the NFT game and I'm just like, what's happening? What's happening, Lohan? What's what is it people are selling? Did like prints? I, I don't understand. It's a digital print. It's not a real print. But this is kind of the new meta art world. So I know that we've kind of just to kind of move away from the the metaverse um, social aspect, but kind of, you know, what especially in your 30s, it's important to start thinking of like various investments that you can be making. And and this is a subject that keeps popping up on my computer and in my uh, discussions with others a lot. So one, are you able to explain NFTs and, and why they've become such a valuable currency. So an NFT, which it's a a non-fungible token is what it stands for, is the idea is that it's kind of like a digital receipt that's supposed to be really hard to forge. So there's a blockchain, which is this long series of like tokens, like this long cryptographic chain that is tied to some kind of currency like Bitcoin or Ethereum. And you can put information on that chain and that information gets distributed in a way that makes it really, really hard to forge. So it's really, in theory, at least really easy to be able to see, okay, there's this key here, this key corresponds to this, like, virtual wallet that somebody owns. So it's incredibly easy to tell with a very high certainty level that I absolutely hold this key to this thing. And so an NFT, the way people tend to talk about it in practice is that it's anything that has one of these tokens or these keys associated with it. So it could look like anything. It could look like a digital 
print, like a just a JPEG uh, photograph, or it could correspond to an item in a video game. But the idea is that it is linked with some kind of blockchain token that makes it really easy to tell that you own that specific virtual good. Own being like a, l- a little bit tautological, where it's just saying that you hold the key to this specific thing on this blockchain. You don't necessarily own it in the sense of owning its copyright. You don't necessarily own it in the sense of like having a physical thing in your home, but you have this access to this really specific token. And if everybody decides that's valuable, then it becomes valuable because that's how money works. That's basically, that's kind of the the core. It's just so hard to wrap my brain around this. And I mean, it's, so is the idea then that you keep it and hold it until it increases value. So it's just a sense of financial security. NFTs can cover a ton of stuff. So there's some things that basically it's like a baseball card, right? That you can buy a baseball card and that baseball card doesn't really do anything except be a collectible. But there are signs that say you can use to certify that, yes, this is actually a real baseball card. And the NFT functions basically the way that those authentication systems would work. So if you really, if you're like a sneakerhead, if you're a person who really likes, I don't know, baseball or basketball, you can get a an NFT, like a Top Shots NFT. And that thing says, okay, I have this collectible and the NFT makes it really easy to tell that this collectible is authentic. So that's one kind of NFT. And that's like, that's a an investment, but in the sense that a lot of baseball cards and stamps are investments where maybe some of them are worth money, but a lot of it, it's just that you have the collecting impulse. You like owning these things. Um, There are NFTs where the idea is that they're kind of like a key to a space, like a a wristband at a concert, where there is a social network called Friends with Benefits, and you have to buy an NFT to get in, and the NFT is like your password to that club. And it can be an investment if the club's really valuable, but it's not necessarily a thing. It's not like a stock. It's that it has some kind of purpose and it gets you into this community. And if the community is really high status, then maybe it's valuable. And then there are NFTs that actually do something that hold some kind of information that's like a game token where there's this game called Axie Infinity and it's kind of like Pokemon. I I know you don't play video games, but Pokemon is... No, we don't Pokemon. Yeah. So you have to buy the equivalent of the Pokemon as NFTs. They're called Axies. And so you own this thing and you can sell it to somebody else, another player if you want, but it's kind of your ticket into this video game. And once you're inside this game, the game will pay you money to do things and play it. And so there's this little mini economy inside the game that's all based on these tokens. And then, yeah, there's a lot of NFTs where people just buy them and they're like, I think this thing's going to be worth a lot of money, so I'm going to hold on to it. And it's associated with a picture that's really like an artist that's really hot or it's associated with a celebrity that sold it. And so they think it's going to be really valuable or it's, I don't know, Quentin Tarantino is selling things that are that have NFTs associated with them. And I really think that people are going to love Quentin Tarantino a lot in the future. So I'm going to buy it and then hope I can sell it for more later. If you're looking for an investment advice, please don't buy NFTs. Don't do it. Just don't do it. It's really hard. Um, like they sound like beanie babies. Yes. Like is it? Can we? Okay, but and not every beanie baby is the princess die beanie baby. You know, not everyone is gonna be like a princess die. Well, beanie and baby, we all know so. those princess die beanie babies don't act aren't actually worth what they say they're worth online. Yes, so. they are, Kayla. No. <laughs> yes, they are. And when I find mine, no, the princess die beanie babies are apparently not worth very much. But there's a beanie baby that they handed out to damn it people at a restaurant opening in like 2009 that's worth thousands of dollars beanie babies are have i was looking at an article about them because they had a weird afterlife because they're so much like nfts in a lot of ways and it turns out that you can make money off them but you have to get really lucky and you have to spend a bunch of time trying to figure out what's worth what And you're probably not going to make that much money so unless you have an enthusiasm for doing this thing and you're willing to just do it for fun. It's like there are way, way safer ways to make money. That makes me feel so much better. Thank you. Because the stress at night that keeps me up about the fact that I don't own any NFTs yet is substantial. Well, if it helps you at all, Kayla, I own uh, two giant trunkfuls of Beanie Babies with pocket protectors. So and what keeps me up at night is how am I going to sell these the answer is and make you some money? And apparently I'm not yeah. going to unless I work really hard. But what are the financial opportunities that are reliable and are responsible to make in this new kind of blockchain 
world. We've had an episode on this a very long time ago, but I, I just, is there any sure thing? And can before you answer that, Addie, I just want to piggyback that with saying that when I read that an NFT collector spent under a half a million dollars to become Snoop Dogg's next door neighbor in the metaverse, I thought, is this it, that cannot be a good financial decision, right? I mean, I'm sure that whatever I say, someone is going to say, well, I made a million dollars selling a plot of land to next to Snoop Dogg. And so, yes, someone is making money off of this. But the chances of making money off of this are incredibly low. Like it's it's a thing that some people are going to get lucky on. But if you're looking for reliable financial advice, it's a really bad investment. Um, Like cryptocurrency in general a lot of it has gotten way more expensive over time. If you bought Bitcoin 10 years ago, that Bitcoin would be worth a lot now. But that also, there is no guarantee that that's going to last forever. If you have money and you want to put it in something, I think that there are any number of existing financial opportunities that unless you are really enthusiastic about cryptocurrency, you're probably better off pursuing. And now that you're saying that, it's leaning me more towards a MLM over <laughs> a Beanie Baby collection, you know, where it's like if you get in early, you're you're good as gold. But when you kind of try to piggyback into it late and you're just trying to make quick money really, really fast and don't really know what you're getting into, easy to get swallowed up by by this new new world. It's also kind of it's hard to say how much this actually affects the NFT market, but it is entirely possible to basically game the system with NFTs and make them look like they're way more valuable than they are by, say, you buy them with one wallet, you sell them to someone else. And because all of these sales can be anonymous, they're all trackable, but you don't have to know who's behind them. You can just sell things to yourself and drive up the price a bunch and then hope that there's someone who looks at this and says, oh, well, this is appreciating really rapidly. I'd better get in on it. And then you've just essentially scammed them into buying something at a really inflated price. So there's just a lot of risks in the world that there's also very, very little regulation around this. If you get hacked, if you lose your NFTs, which is entirely possible, you're kind of on your own. They're just, they're a massive risk. If you think that they're interesting and you want to play with them, I absolutely respect that. If you're worried that you're losing money because you're not getting in on this thing, the odds are just deeply, deeply low that you would be making more money by dabbling in this thing. Hey guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com And we're back. And because we've been talking about this and my brain is having a hard time wrapping, it's we keep discussing metaverses, but there's also a term multiverses, correct? Can you 
Can you just help me with the difference between the two as we continue the conversation? Because I, I can tell my brain is accepting them both as the same thing, but I don't think that they are. I need to be clear for anyone who is listening and feeling really confused. That's there's not a definition that any that everyone will agree on what a metaverse is. Like you could ask a bunch of people who are very influential in metaverse discourse what that means. They will give you a bunch of different answers. The way that so I wrote at one point about the difference between metaverses and multiverses, and it was kind of interesting. It was a theory from a game designer in Graf Coaster. And the idea was that a multiverse is something like Ready Player One, where you have a bunch of different worlds that are all kind of different, but they all they're all they work on maybe different rules. You can do different things in them, but they all kind of work along the same rules. They all are kind of like virtual spaces, like they're like Roblox or like Minecraft, where everything kind of looks like a unified space, but you can hop across a bunch of different versions of that. And then a metaverse would be a thing that has some kind of connection to the real world where it's got some kind of augmented reality component. But that's really, if you're worried about like, what does the metaverse mean? Just substitute it in your mind for a fancier version of the internet. And that's the thing that is going to get you through most of the time. And then you just have to look at whatever the person who's saying it is selling and you say, how does that fit into the internet in the future? And that's more or less what they mean by the metaverse. If it's an NFT person, they mean being able to have these transactions that are really easy to record and aren't tied to any one platform. That's the metaverse. If it's an AR company, it's being able to look around and see virtual things overlaid on the real world is the metaverse. If it's a virtual reality company, it's getting to go into these incredibly immersive worlds that feel like a real place even though they're entirely virtual, that's the metaverse. And AR is augmented reality, right? Like, I think the example you used, I think it was you in one of your articles, was was the Snapchat hot dog, how it it actually shows, was that, maybe it wasn't, but it actually shows the real world and then something virtual is overlaid. And that's AR? Yeah, like, um, one of my colleagues used uh, some of the Snapchat glasses, but it's... To go back to Pokemon, do you remember Pokemon <laughs> Go? There was this very yeah, right, several right. years ago. So it was Pokemon where you're walking around. There's an actual map. You're walking around like your neighborhood and you can look at your phone and you see that there's a Pokemon there and you tap there uh, on the space on the map and you get to see this camera feed and the Pokemon like the the Eevee or the Pikachu or whatever is overlaid onto real space. And so it looks like they're standing on the street and you tap them and you try to catch them. Um, That's an example of what a lot of people think of as being AR. Minority Report is a thing that lots of people think of as as an AR world as well. It's like these holographic projections into the real world of things that that look real, but are actually like holograms. It's funny because I, I, you know, initially in researching for this episode, I just felt I was like, oh, this has nothing to do with me. Like I'm not, I don't play video games. I'm not, in chat rooms. I'm not, you know, I don't have virtual reality glasses. Like I'm, I'm use my computer basically only for Gmail and celebrity gossip. <laughs> and that's what I use my phone for as well. But the truth of the matter is, is I'm on Instagram. I'm not really on any other social media platforms, but I use Instagram. And I had a thought recently of just like wanting to like delete everything and what that would feel like. And it, it almost felt like a bizarre death. Like the idea of deleting, like, I'm like, oh my, am I deleting myself? Am I deleting this version of me? Like, does that mean I don't exist anymore? And I feel like is that, would that be kind of like a parallel to um, how someone can feel about, about their existence within a, you know, metaverse, kind of what we were talking about at the start of the episode in in the virtual way? Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I think that when I mentioned earlier that one of the issues with the metaverse is that everything can theoretically get recorded, I think that one of the opportunities that digital worlds give us are that they can create this record of our lives that we might not otherwise get. And so it gives us this ability to go back and look back at the people that we were. And it's kind of this incidental thing that like it just produces this data without us even having to do something like take pictures and so you get to go back and look at this record of your life. And yeah, if you, if you erase that, that does, that feels weirdly permanent and it feels weirdly like a loss. But also it's, if you're but it's on, not even real. That's the funny part. It's, it's totally like, that's real, not real. It's, but it's like, it is what it isn't. Like I have pictures on my phone. I have pictures I can print out. I can keep those memory. I have all of those memories 
forever and ever. And in to some extent, because of what I do and because of the platform it's given me on, in social media, everything's kind of been saved or tagged or compartmentalized. So it still exists there. It's just not un, it wouldn't be under my name anymore. So that's what I grapple with is like, well, wait, it doesn't really exist. Like just because, you know, just because I didn't post about my six year old's birthday didn't mean that she didn't have a birthday and she's not loved. And but it feels like it's this alternate reality that I need to be represented within it as well. And so to me, even though I felt like I had nothing to do with this episode and no attachment to it, I quickly realized upon research that, oh, my gosh, I am. I have my own version of the metaverse that I do exist within and that I argue with all the time of like, how much, you know, of wanting to be a part of this alternate reality that isn't real, but that is also so real and feels so important. Well, I think there's another element to it as well, because um, Candice, with your Instagram example, uh, the idea of being able to share with family and friends that, yay, we celebrated so-and-so's birthday. Even it doesn't mean I understand not when you don't share it. It doesn't it still happened, but to some people who weren't able to be there, they can sort of feel almost like they were there as well and join in on the celebration. So it it is it is a very strange battle. And I can see how that then relates into the metaverse because, you know, you're there at a concert and you're experiencing it and you experience it with other friends and you can still chat about it at a later date. And you can still, you know, bring up, quote unquote, like screenshots and pictures and and talk about it like you were there because in some sense you were there, even though physically you couldn't it wasn't tangible. You couldn't touch anything. It's very strange. You also get a bunch of control in, quote unquote, the metaverse to curate your reality and like the way that you appear to people in a way that people spend a bunch of time with on Internet on Instagram. You're right. That's true. You're right. Everyone like makes picks the best photo, alters the photo, filters it, whatever, to make their feed great on Instagram or Twitter on any sort of social media platform. And people pick out their little outfits and make their, quote unquote, avatar. Is that even the correct term? Is it an avatar? Okay, thank you. Yeah, I got one thing right. Um, But create their (laughs) avatar to make themselves look a certain way to present themselves to the world. So there are a lot of parallels. And it's still really hard to grasp. Candace and I were talking about how we remembered when the internet was first developed and how much that changed our lives and how we went from, you know, suddenly being able to talk to our friends all the time and have it feel very private. Do you think, Addie, that we are on the precipice of experiencing something that is greater than when the internet was invented? Is it is it equivalent? What's your personal opinion on that? I don't know. It always feels like you're going to be wrong being the person who says this thing is overblown. But the thing is, like, I remember when the iPhone came out and I remember looking at the iPhone and I had a I was a pretty early owner of one and I got one and it just changed things immediately that like suddenly I could look up things on a map and my relationship to physical space was completely different that I could log. I started logging the music I was listening to using this service called Last FM and suddenly I could figure out exactly what I was listening to and find all the bands that were like it because I was just walking around like classes listening to music and it had all these new features like suddenly the way that I experienced the internet and the way that I experienced the mobile internet was in things that they could do not things people were promising me that they could do suddenly I could actually do things like that changed my life and it wasn't because somebody was constantly on tv telling me about how great the iphone was going to be and how much it could change my life and that's the point at which we're still at with the metaverse there hasn't been a point where anyone has really shown me anything that people weren't doing in video games 20 years ago or that people weren't doing in like on social platforms in a somewhat different way or that people weren't like doing with Google Maps or the mobile internet. I'm sure there are incredible things that people are going to do that are going to change the way that I live, but I'm not sure how many of those things are currently classed under the metaverse promises that I'm getting. Is there a timeline that metaverse has laid out or promised to us um, in the sense of, hey, in a year from now, this is going to be unveiled and in five years from now, we'll be here. Meta is going to release AR glasses, which has maybe a higher shot of getting mass market adoption to than a bunch of companies within maybe five to 10 years. 
And those could be a big deal. Apple's supposed to be releasing a pair of glasses in the next two or three years. Those could also be a big deal. So in the next few years, we'll at least hopefully start seeing some of the promises that people are making coming into the real world. And I also, I should be clear that the Quest virtual reality glasses are really cool. I love them a lot. I I play Beat Saber. I think it's a fantastic game. I think a lot of these things are great, but they're not quite the metaverse that Meta and other places are promising yet. So what I'm gathering from this conversation is Kayla and I are actually not super behind. Like, although we're not, you know, we're not wearing our like VR glasses and kind of engaging in some of like the fun elements of what technology has to offer these days. As far as being two, you know, adults who, you know, has been curious about, you know, if we investments and, you know, financial opportunities or just feeling that we're actually caught up in what's going on in kind of this future virtual slash cryptocurrency world. We're not that far behind because it's all still developing right now anyway. Yeah, a bunch of this is people experimenting, which is cool, but it's something that you don't have to feel like you're getting left behind by. It's people figuring out what works. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. That's interesting, a good idea. (laughs) You have no idea. We've been terrified for this episode because we knew we needed to learn about the metaverse, but we had no idea what it was. And essentially, (laughs) we're leaving this episode being able to give ourselves a pat on the back and say, hey, we're not too far behind. It's okay. (laughs) No, if you if you hear something about something that sounds cool and you're like, wow, Lindsay Lohan is making NFTs and you want to learn more about that. That's awesome. Good. Good for you. Don't be like, oh, my God, Lindsay Lohan's getting into NFTs. I'm so far behind. No, I mean, most people don't know what's going on here. They're just figuring this stuff out as it goes. I love how Lindsay Lohan's on it. Then, you know, I got I got to know. I mean, this is where I get my news. She's the barometer. And, you know, and Daily Mail. <laughs> Addy, is there what is something in your life that you appreciate the benefits of where we're at in the future of technology? And what is something in your life that you're happy to put technology aside and just whether it's a concrete version, whether it's a book or an experience or a record? Like, do you have something you love in the technology world and something you love in the real world? I really like the way that technology has made and that the Internet specifically have just made absolutely incredible amounts of information available. Like it it sounds really weird to say that Twitter is a thing that's given me a window onto people's lives meaningfully, but it's incredible to me that I get to, I just find people who are completely random people who have tweeted about something I find interesting, like a keyword. And I just read their feeds and it's really cool to listen to people talking about experiences that I just don't have because they're different people and they talk about their lives and they talk about the problems that they're having or their ideas about some kind of piece of media. Um, And I think it's just the most absolutely incredible thing that you can just eavesdrop on a bunch of people's ideas and that you can find any kind of movie or game or book that somebody wrote like 30 years ago and it's somewhere on the internet and you can go experience it and you can just immerse yourself in almost any kind of culture you want. It's my favorite thing about the internet. It is a thing that now I think people just take for granted and it blows my mind constantly. The thing I hate about the internet is the feeling of having to curate my offline experience as an online one. Like I'm actually, I'm not really on Instagram and I'm not really on anything that involves taking photos or videos. Like I tweet because that's just text, but like I go on vacations and I I don't take any pictures or anything. So then it didn't actually happen, Addy, if you don't take a picture. No, that's what's weird is that I feel like I'm actually missing out on remembering things because I just don't record them. I don't document them. I kind of experience them and they're just there and then they're over. And I'm kind of okay with that because I don't know if I want to remember everything that closely anyway, because it'll just make me sad if my life never gets better than that. And it'll make me sad if it was really bad. So I don't know. I have pictures of my cats. But otherwise, I don't really have that many pictures. I would also say, though, that you do record you, you do record your vacation because it's in here. It's in your mind and you can go back to it and remember it. So it just because you didn't post about it doesn't mean it, it's in there. It's absolutely in there, just like Florence's birthday happened and is in there. But because it doesn't exist on the Internet doesn't mean it didn't happen. So, oh, I mean, I have a terrible memory, <laughs> but I'm hoping that's my theory. My hope is that I just I remember the parts I want to. I kind of let my brain shape it into something I want to remember. And then that's nice. And I just get this nice sort of smoothed over version of my life that I don't have to go back and, and look at a feed for. Addie Robertson, thank you so much for joining us. 
and making Candace and I feel like we are not behind the game, that we are actually up with the cool kids. We, we still have it. We get it. And we're going to keep continuing to figure out what this metaverse is. Maybe in a few years, we can have you back on and have a completely different conversation about how much it's changed our lives. Yeah, we'll uh, meet up in the metaverse. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Where can our listeners follow you on Twitter or any other uh, platforms that you wish to share? I write on TheVerge.com and I'm on Twitter at The Dextriarchy. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us all the way from snowy, cold Brooklyn. We're really grateful that you came today. Yeah, it was great being here. Candace, I'm shocked right now. I can't, I cannot believe that we actually aren't that far behind. I am grateful that it's all still in the experimental phase because reading articles that does not you know, and keeping up with the news. I mean, I I know that I say I just read Daily Mail and that is a majority of where I get my news and they do talk a lot about cryptocurrency and NFTs. But I do read the actual news, you know, from time to time as well. And it it's felt like I've been behind. So this has been, yes, very, very comforting to know that it's it's still in kind of the developmental phase. Right. My thought process before we started this episode was it felt so easy as teenagers to grasp the invention of the Internet. Why now that we're 30 something, does it feel so hard to grasp the introduction of the metaverse? And I think we figured it out. Why? Because no one really has an answer to what it is. So how can you grasp something when multiple people have different answers to what the definition of it is and it's still being developed? So this is something that we're just going to have to keep updated on. I'll, when I find some articles, I'll send them to you, Candace. When you find good articles, you send them to me. I do know that this is something that will change our lives, but I don't, I'm not quite sure that it's going to change it as much as I originally thought. I think that there, you know, kind of what Addie was saying is that there have been a large number of people who experience this virtual world and they have been experiencing it for a long time. Like I, I didn't play Sims, you know, I I don't think you played. Yeah, I, that would be my guess. Neither of us have played Sims. <laughs> and that's been around since the 90s, you know, it's or early aughts. And so, you know, these kind of digital universes have been around for a long time. I never played video games past Mario Kart and James Bond 007. Those are the only video games, maybe some Donkey Kong. But that was it. What about you? I played a lot of Tetris on my Game Boy. And it was Game Boy Color, which was revolutionary back in the day. That was. But you didn't do that with anybody else. You were just it was just you playing, right. you know, a, a game on your own. There is no kind of virtual group component to playing a Game Boy, which there is now, I would assume. I do have to say the element that I really think will be beneficial is even just through the pandemic, we've talked about this a lot, how and you being one of them, friends have moved away. And so many people moved out of California. And I can see the benefit of having a virtual meeting room in this metaverse where we all join and meet each other and have a virtual cocktail and just have some conversation and it being lots of fun. And if there's a game element to it or something like that, how much how how that experience would feel very real and rewarding. And I can see that. So there are benefits to this. I think there's just a lot of scary components too, because it's all brand new and we're just trying to figure it out as we go. I still feel like I need to know more about this. I still feel like there's more. Well, if you end up having there. a digital virtual girls night, I will send a virtual bottle of wine, but I can barely, <laughs> you know, send a text back. So I don't think I'm going to be entering any <laughs> virtual hangs when I can barely handle a text message chain. But I, I th you know, I, I think at this point, I just have to accept that, you know, a part of it, I think is just what you're into. You know, like I am not interested in video games. I will never be interested in video games. I am not interested in, you know, like a constant communication via my phone. It, I'm just not. I would love to be the person that's really good at it. And I think I can get better. But this has been a constant where I'm just like, is it me just getting better at something or is it just part of my personality that I just don't do it very well? You know, I I will always read a book quicker when it's in my hand as opposed to on a tablet. I will always listen, sit down and listen to a full record if it's on vinyl as opposed to plugging my phone into something and getting through song one to song 12. So I think I'm just an old school person 
who will probably be at you know the last one in line for cryptocurrency who will not be able to you know enjoy the benefits of of you know the gold rush of nfts if that's what it becomes but the fact that i'm at least not behind right now is somewhat comforting I love that. Well, I'm just going to be old school just like you. We'll be old school together until we have no choice but to start to buy NFTs and all that good stuff. But for now, we're okay. We're okay being right where we are. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Directionally Challenged. We have another great one coming for you next week. We'll see you then. Directionally Challenged is a production of Pineapple Productions. Produced by Melissa D. Montz. Edited by Diane King. Post-production sound by Chris Henry. Music by Joe King. And advertising partnership with ACAST.